Welcome to the Helping Families Be Happy podcast, where we explore the often messy world of family, love, and relationships. I am your host for this podcast, Dr. Carla Marie Manley, a practicing clinical psychologist, wellness advocate, and author based in Sonoma County, California. I've teamed up with Familias Publishing to bring you nourishing real-life information about love, family, relationships, and life. And now I am thrilled to introduce today's guest, Christine Babinek, who will be talking with us about her new book, Want a Hug, Consent and Boundaries for Kids. Welcome to the podcast, Chris. How are you? Thank you for having me. I'm very well. Thank you. Good, good. And so before we launch into your book, just tell us a little bit about what makes you, you. Okay. What a great question to start out with. I didn't expect that. I think probably what makes me, me is one of the things that I work on, I think on a, on a daily practice is combining prevention work and treatment uh, within a social justice scope. So trying to figure out how can we prevent abuse and harm from happening in the world? How can we effectively treat it? And uh, making sure that we're bringing in everyone, marginalized people, and hearing the voices of the people who who have been hurt and also who uh, know how to heal. Excellent. I like that prevention and treatment. It's a good mixture, especially, you know, if we can get ahead of things and prevent that's always a wise step. I worked for years on juvenile probation and I'm with you on the importance of preventing as much as we can, preventing the abuse, the harm from happening. Agreed. I think um, that's that's how this book came to be, to be perfectly honest, mm-hmm. um, is I've been doing treatment for the past 20 plus years and someone asked me for a book a parent at school asked me, you know, did I know a book for very young children um, who aren't necessarily perpetrators, but have a really hard time keeping their hands to themselves? And I thought, oh, my dear, I know all of these (laughs) treatment books. I mean, and I think for so long, our emphasis has been on recovery after something bad has happened. And we haven't started with very young children expanding on lessons they already know, which is asking permission. It's one of the tasks that we teach even babies, you know, say please and um, ask nicely. And, you know, if there's a, if we're toddling along, you know, ask before you pet an animal. We do all of this great work to set the foundation for consent and boundaries. And then we don't explicitly talk about it in terms of bodies and relationships. And I thought, well, geez, oh, Pete, that's bananas. And um, I started looking for a book. And at the time, I actually wrote this book in 2015, believe it or not, and then self-published it. And then um, it was picked up by Familias, the publisher, a couple years later. And then we've been working on illustrations ever since. So mm-hmm. it's been a seven-year process to get this to market. And um, it's been wild and wonderful. But yeah, it's really, this This book is for everyone. This is not a treatment piece. It's not an edu- you know, a boring educational book. It's joyful. It's fun. It's written in rhyme. And it's just based on what, what we're already teaching kids from the beginning. And I love that you put it that way because so many times people think, oh, it's a children's book. It can't apply to somebody who's, you know, not a toddler or who's out of grade school. But I certainly find that some of the best learning comes from children's books. 
because it's very, very simple, crystallized information that no matter how smart we are, how old we are, we can absorb that. Well, and we love it. I mean, it, they have children's books have beautiful pictures and they're lighthearted. They're approachable for everyone. I, I still love reading YA books. I still love reading children's books to my kids and all the kids in my life. I mean, they're just wonderful to have in the home. And as you say, they, they simplify things in a way that anyone can get their head around and have a good common sense conversation instead of getting all kind of muddied into you know, complicated matters before, uh, before we're ready. Absolutely. And I think as adults, sometimes we see a child and know the child needs an answer, wants an answer, or could use an explanation, yet we become very cerebral and wordy. And children's books can be so perfect in giving us the simple, concise yes. language yes. that children can process, understand and process. Exactly. And exactly. I love that you said your book is written in rhyme. Tell us a little bit about why rhyme matters. Why is that important? Well, I have to be honest, uh, it came out in rhyme. So mm. I I wrote it in rhyme and um, I don't know how that happened. It's not as if I think in rhyme, but it just came out and I knew I was going to write something for kids and it came out in rhyme. And then, of course, as therapists, you and I know, and then, of course, educators going to know and a lot of parents are going to know that rhyme helps people remember. So if we have a song, you know, I mean, all the kids learn the washing hands song or they they learn a lot of different songs to help them remember basic things. And so... I think it's great that it kind of came out in rhyme and it works in rhyme. And and again, it kind of takes that heat or that idea that this is just an educational book and it makes mm -hmm. it fun and playful and easy for kids and families to just, um, you know, sing to each other. I, I actually had a friend um, when I was first putting the book out say, my kid is walking around the house um, singing your book. Oh. And I thought, oh my gosh, that's it. That's what I want. And I mean, it, you know, it, it still brings a tear to my eye because when we have conversations with kids and the material is approachable is what you were just talking about, mm -hmm. everything changes. It open, it sets the foundation to have more complicated conversations later and it opens it up in the here and now in a developmentally appropriate way for them. Beautifully said. The developmentally appropriate way is so critical yes. because if we're either speaking beneath a child's level or over their over a child's level, we're missing that opportunity for attunement. Yes. And I do love that you really talked about the, the rhyming piece because no matter how old we are, right, we remember that that it's, it's almost a miraculous energy yes. of rhymes. We just move into it. Our bodies feel it. Our spirits feel it. Yes. It feels it feels good and natural rather than something that's being preached, right? Yes, and nobody exactly. likes being preached to. No but one likes do. being talked down to. Mm -hmm. No one likes being taught. Sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> so when it's a conversation, when it's a song, when 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 grownups or kids are dancing around talking about something together, this is life. I mean, that's love. That's that's fun. That's it, it brings joy and happiness to people. It does. And I it's and 
the familiar values, the 10 habits of a healthy family, some of the key ones are loving together, playing, learning together, working together, and of course, reading together. And your book, one of the other, you know, habits is healing together. And I love how your book not only is going to be one of learning and connecting, but healing. Yes. Helping children heal who may have had boundary crossings mm-hmm. or may feel, I, I want to ask you a question. This sure. was posed to me, so I'd love to hear your thoughts on it. Okay. During holidays, children, or actually any time of year, birthdays, mm-hmm. whatever, here we're teaching children boundaries. Say yes. please, say thank you, say no, mm-hmm. but there they are. They're tired. They're exhausted. They're, you know, somewhat sometimes even overwhelmed with the holidays. And there comes grandma, grandpa, aunt, uncle, all of these people. Maybe they haven't seen them for a year mm-hmm. and they are mm-hmm. supposed to hug mm-hmm. everyone and hug mm-hmm. everyone with a big smile, even people mm-hmm. they may not know. So for our listeners, what would you say when a child, you see the child and the child might not want to be hugged? Yes. How do we allow them to say, no, thank you? How do we allow ourselves to to allow them to say, no, thank you? Yes, I I love this question. I am getting this asked as well. I just spoke about it on a, a little TV spot. So I've got, you know, really a couple of quick things. First, I recommend that parents or caregivers, grownups of every type, talk to the kids in their life before the holidays, before you go see these people you haven't seen in a long time and ask your kids just in general, hey, what are you guys comfortable with? In general, what do you like and from who? You know, do you you like to uh, cuddle next to so-and-so in your class, but not so-and-so? Does it change based on your mood? Just have a lighthearted general conversation to get a bead and a read on what your kid is actually comfortable with in general. And I think that's really important because a lot of times we assume kids are are soft and cuddly because a lot of them really are, but some of them just aren't. And they don't like to have that foisted on them. And then you can kind of let them kind of speak out loud. And I always encourage people just be curious and non-judgmental. Don't start asking a lot of questions. Well, why wouldn't you want to hug grandma? Let them speak. Yes. Be curious. Yes, yes, yes. Keep the conversation going. You will be delighted and surprised by some of the answers. So I think that's the place to start is start, you know, have a conversation when there's no pressure, right? Mm-hmm. Then I recommend practice and teaching, you know, show kids how they can communicate, give them words, Coach them to be specific. Say, it's okay, hun. If you say, I don't like that, I like this. Or I don't want to do that right now, maybe later. Yes, no, please, uh, no, thank you. And, and just do funny, silly little scenarios if you want and if that feels comfortable to the kid. Um, most importantly, though, and I think this is, this is really critical, we often don't talk to kids about you can show kindness and love and generosity and affection without physical contact. Absolutely. Right? Absolutely. Yes. And those, thank you. Go, go. Sorry about well, that. Well, I was going to say, you know, and again, you can, if you see that kid wide-eyed going, well, I know grandma's going to want to hug. And you say, you can bring grandma your favorite book and read together, maybe. Mm-hmm. Or draw together. 
or show her your favorite stuffies. There are lots and lots of ways and just really arm them with lots of ways so they don't feel that pressure of physical contact. And I'm sorry I interrupted you too. So you tell me what you were thinking. I was just going the same direction you were. The more that we give them a toolkit of wait, if you don't want a physical hug, you can offer a virtual hug. You can offer grandma a flower. You can, as you said, invite grandma to sit and read a book with you. You can choose to not sit on a couch with grandma or uncle if that if you're not in the mood Mm -hmm. and you can Mm -hmm. sit on your own chair so allowing and also talking i believe in talking to the relatives in advance yes yes absolutely and saying you know we're working on boundaries at home so if little you know person so and so you know is showing signs of having strong boundaries please applaud them and respect that they're learning how to take that with them through life so that we teach children that they don't have to be doormats and they don't have to be aggressive, that they can simply have strong, clear, healthy, you know, assertive boundaries where they state and then it's respected at home. And I think that also helps adults learn because many adults don't have healthy boundaries. That's right. That's right. Yeah. I think that um, one of the reasons I wrote this book too is the only books that were out there at the time that you know, they were, they were treatment books, but they were also constantly harping on kids to say no. Mm. And I think, of course, we want to empower kids to say no, but we have to remember kids are not responsible for protecting themselves. Mm-hmm. And um, so I'm with you. I, I talk to all the grownups in our lives and I say, you know, what we do in our house and what, you know, what you may see or, or feel from our kids is we're going to, we're going to expect them to ask, ask before a hug, kiss or cuddle wait for a response, affirm what you heard and respect the answer. And what I do, you know, when I see that, that grown up and we're really, we're very affectionate family, you know, big, big, huge family, lots of cousins and everything, aunts and uncles. And if we see that, that, that loving grown up, this Mm -hmm. is not about blaming and shaming, you know, grown ups who want to love on your people. This is about just letting them know, You know, if I see someone approaching, I'll say, oh, excuse me, in our house, we're teaching kids to ask before giving someone a hug or kiss and to listen to the response and to respect it. Will you support us in this? And beautifully said, wow, yes, yes, yes. So that is us, you know, not putting the pressure on the child to have to constantly protect and defend themselves or answer to a grown-up it's it's providing interference it's it's letting them know you'll have your back have their back and I also encourage grown-ups to not apologize when your child doesn't want to give a hug or a cuddle absolutely right this this may communicate to the child that they they might have done something wrong or it gives them a mixed message and and we don't want to encourage or pressure them either you know, so again, I, I think that you and I are on the same page here. We we want to stand up for the kids in our lives and not just expect them to have the words or know what to do, but to actively teach them. And again, in a very developmentally appropriate way. Absolutely. And I love that the way you're approaching it is one of kindness to the self empathy, right? And awareness that we can do all of this boundary setting with kindness, respect, 
gentleness, and that it helps the child increase and grow in self-awareness and then strong boundaries. And what a light that can be Mm -hmm. for other children, not that they need to be role models, but then they're automatically become role models for others, other children their age, but also the adults in their world who, again, as I said, some never learned how to do healthy boundaries. So now I have another question for you because I don't want to tiptoe around it. I just want to go straight into it. it. Okay. What do we do with a child? How do we help them when a boundary crossing has occurred? Mm -hmm. How do we empower them, no matter how minor or major that boundary crossing, that boundary violation, actually, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. how do we empower them to come forward Mm -hmm. without shame, embarrassment, guilt, and say, this is what happened Mm -hmm. and I'm hurting? Oh, I think that's an excellent question. I think all of us have been trying to find the right answer for that for a really long Mm -hmm. time. I think my approach has has always been to reassure kids if we have a suspicion that something has happened to reassure kids that we see that they seem to be struggling. We see that they seem to be afraid and we're ready and willing to listen at any time that there's no pressure and no timeline. I I always encourage the grown-ups who are who come to me and who are worried something's happened to their kids to not ask a lot of questions, but to provide support and keep reminding I'm here, Mm -hmm. I'm willing, I'll listen. Again, one of the things that my hope that this book that I've made addresses is that a lot of kids are very afraid they're going to get in trouble. Yes. They're so afraid they're going to get in trouble. And and that's what perpetrators do, right? They convince the child that they've done something wrong. So, you know, I always talk to the grownups and kids that that I'm working with or that are in my life and let them know, you will never get in trouble for something that has happened to you. And I think when you and I were first talking about uh, potentially doing this podcast, you asked me, is there a favorite line from the book? Mm -hmm. And, you know, I, I think I initially said that consent and boundaries are the foundations of all healthy relationships is my favorite line. But upon reflection, my favorite line from the book is, it's not my fault. Mm-hmm. I love that. I yeah. love both of them, actually. Right? Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. We know those are the, the foundations, um, consent and boundaries are the foundations of all healthy relationships. But many, many people, grown-ups and children alike, the reason consent and boundaries are so important is we want to know where responsibility lies. Mm-hmm. And for children, you know, they're very afraid they're they're going to get in trouble. They're very afraid um, they've done something wrong or that someone isn't going to understand or they're, the person that is hurting them is someone they love. And that is so confusing. Absolutely. And they're afraid of getting the perpetrator in trouble because they love them often and they don't want to rock the boat. And so absolutely, Mm -hmm. I it sounds as if, again, we're on the same page with as we're educating children of all ages, right? And ourselves, because many of us, self-included, right, constantly being educated by by life. And it's that piece where when someone crosses your boundaries, sometimes you don't know it right away. Mm -hmm. That's right. It's only afterward, no matter Mm -hmm. how old you are, but particularly for children, sometimes it's later that you Mm -hmm. realize, oh, 
that happened and that shouldn't have happened or didn't feel right. right. And then children and adults tend to feel guilty for not having stopped it right then and there. Well, that's it. And that, I mean, for me, again, the reason I wrote, (laughs) there's so many reasons how this book happened, but this, this emphasis on telling children to say no, if they don't say no, or they can't say no, Mm -hmm. because of fear, because of the relationship, or whatever reason, because they're children, full stop, Mm -hmm. then they're going to take on that guilt. I didn't say no. So that's why it's so important for us to, when we talk explicitly about consent and boundaries, is to say silence is not consent. Persuasion is not consent. Consent is only present when it's freely given, reversible, informed, enthusiastic, and specific. So that's the fries of consent. That's kind of out there in the ether. You can Mm -hmm. find that on a lot of different websites. Um, That is not mine, but that is something that we share in the community when we talk about consent. And like you were talking about earlier, for me, the pillars of consent and boundaries are communication, understanding, empathy, and respect, right? Absolutely. And any kind of power differential, you know, and legalistically in a lot of states, it's three years difference, you know, if, we, if we're looking at abuse and, and neglect. But, but really, there can be a power differential even between a much larger child and a much smaller child in the same grade. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. As we prepare to, you know, sum things up or bring things to a close here, what would you say for parents as they're working with their children? You know, something's coming to my mind. I'd like you to amplify it and add on to on, you know, your own thoughts. But there's something to be said for instinct, right? When your gut says something's off here maybe yeah. you know not foist that instinct onto the child but to maybe raise awareness what do you think about paying attention to instinct for- i love it i i mean i absolutely love it and alternatively i hate it and here's mm-hmm. why i think of course i would encourage anyone to follow their instinct just as i would say empower every child to say no. But just as we were talking about over the last few minutes, your instinct could be crystal clear on a lot of different things. But when you have complex emotions and complex relationships involved, this is where I worry that people will blame themselves. Oh, I should have had an instinct. Or maybe I did have an instinct and I didn't listen to it. Because that is, that's not just you know, blaming ourselves as either parents or therapists or a child blaming themselves. I should have known. I think I might have known. I could have known when really we have no control over that perpetrator's behavior. Absolutely not. We do not. And we can have the greatest instinct of all time and still miss something because someone has charm and they have built-in relationships and they're pillars of communities. And so I want to let people off the hook if they feel like, gosh, I might have had an instinct and I didn't follow it, maybe you did. And if you do, always follow it. But also sometimes our brain tricks ourselves. It's just like, you know, that Monday morning quarterbacking when we're looking back and we mm-hmm. go, oh, I should have seen that. Oh, maybe I did see that and I didn't do anything. And that is where I find um, survivors over and over again blame themselves. Uh, and that makes sense. So I think the takeaway then is listeners, catch me if I, if I get this wrong. If your instinct comes up, pay attention to it, notice it. If you overrode your instinct or didn't get an instinct and something happens, 
never blame, never shame. It doesn't do you any good. So be grateful for your instinct when it pops up. But if your instinct doesn't pop up or you overrode it, hey, that's part of life. And we can't do anything about the past, but instead of blaming ourselves, we can use that energy to love and help that child heal. I love that. You just nailed it. That was the perfect little nugget. Yes. Oh, good. Good, good. Well, we're both in the same field, but you, <laughs> I, I, I think your book is going to, I know your book is going to help so many people. And I just want Thank to emphasize, you. yes, absolutely. Just because we've been talking so much about treatment and about things that can happen. Again, I want to emphasize this book is not that. This book is a prevention piece. Mm. So this book lays the foundation of consent and boundaries in non-sexualized, but body-based interactions that kids have on the regular, wrestling, you know, fighting over toys, of sharing resources, you know, just the very naturalistic things that happen at very young ages. This book has no sexualized or, you know, any kind of intense or triggering information or illustrations in it at all. This is to set the foundation for healthy boundaries, learning about consent in naturalistic, developmentally appropriate ways that are fun and engaging and stuff that they're already doing now, but we're just putting words to it. Listeners, did you get that? So (laughs) important. The book is all about getting the foundation set. So we aren't having these conversations that we had today about the pain and the trauma, but making sure that we help our kids have strong boundaries from the get-go that we as adults support and nurture. All right. Christine, it has been such a joy and a pleasure. Thank you for your time. Where can our listeners find you and your book? Yes, thank you. Um, And first, let me say, I'm really grateful to have this conversation and I really enjoy your books and thank you for what you're doing. Um, Yeah, you bet. Readers can find my book at their local bookstores, Amazon, really any book retailer. For me and and, uh, my people, I would encourage you to go to Familius. They're the the publisher who uh, has supported this work and spent a long time working with me on it so that it doesn't have triggering and information or is is in any way um you know kind of a treatment book but that it's fun and joyful and and playful so please go to the familius website you can get it on any online retailer but i always encourage people to go to their local bookstore too absolutely we love supporting local and we love supporting familias so thank you again chris i so appreciate it and today we have been speaking with chris babinek i'm going to spell her name full name is christine c-h-r-i-s-t-i-n-e babinek b-a-b-i-n-e-c and she is the author of want a hug consent and boundaries for kids so as we conclude today's podcast i'd like to thank familius publishing for their support in bringing this podcast to your ears and your heart would be thrilled if you'd subscribe to the podcast and leave us a review on itunes and social media If you'd like more wonderful Familias content, such as the fabulous book we talked about today, Want a Hug?
consent and boundaries for kids, be sure to visit us at familias.com where you will find our Habit Hub blog as well as a spectacular selection of books for families. One step at a time, we can and will make the world a happier place. Thank you for sharing your time with me, Dr. Carla Marie Manley. It's been a joy and a true pleasure. Be well and shine, shine, shine as only you can do.